Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, the Post Dispatch, joined by the beat reporters Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman. Guys, let's start off at the top with a really neat ceremony with uh, Chris Pronger taking his bows. Um, really a guy that should never have left St. Louis, uh, but uh, got caught up in some weirdness at the time with the uh, both coming to the team and leaving to the team. But uh, to start with you, JT, as these ceremonies go, uh, heartfelt to Al McGinnis and an appreciative Chris Pronger and uh, the tall Pronger children uh, enjoying the ceremony. Yeah. And, you know, it was the uh, really the first one of those uh, for me to, to witness uh, firsthand. And uh, man, the Blues, the Blues do it upright. They had the alums there. I thought it was pretty cool that the uh, uh, the Blues players, the current Blues players, uh, they were all uh, and they were hard to see in the dark. But uh, almost all the team, it looked like, came out and, and, and watched most of the ceremony on the bench. And then Baruby was there and and the, and, the, and the coaching staff, and they, they didn't stay for the whole thing. They, they had to go back and kind of get ready for the uh, game. But uh, uh, like I said, really cool. The, 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 the Blues do it right uh, when it comes to kind of remembering and, and honoring their own. I think that was more kind of set decoration than they'd done on previous ones. They really they rigged up there a good uh, set piece with the big giant pucks with the tape on them behind uh, Pronger and uh, and and Chris is, knows his audience. I mean, he he played to the crowd uh, very well last night, and and the crowd loves him, which, as you noted, hasn't always been the case here in St. Louis. <laughs> you know, and the thing about this, uh, and JT, preceding your time with the beat, uh, the Blues have had many uh, unfortunate turns in ownership, and what happened with Chris was a most unfortunate turn in ownership, where uh, after a lockout. Uh, which uh, Bill and Nancy Laurie were hardly in for in favor of. Um, now they decided, you know, enough of this hockey. You know, Mark Sauer determined, uh, team president, that the hockey would never make it in St. Louis, just like baseball would never make it in Pittsburgh. And uh, everything must go. So they made the worst trade in franchise history, sent Chris to Edmonton where he did not want to go. He did not want to leave St. Louis, obviously came back here. But as a guy who's covered some franchises with uh, some shaky uh, history, uh, you, you can appreciate how a guy of this caliber could somehow uh, not end up uh, finishing his career here in St. Louis. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think back at, this might've been a couple of years ago and I, I still maintain there's probably not another active media member that's seen as much hockey as you have Jeff, but we're, we're sitting in the press box and it was a Monday night against uh, Anaheim. And you said, look at this place. This place is full. It's a Monday night and they're playing Anaheim. And you said something like, JT, you, you, you can't imagine how far this franchise has, has come. And I thought of that last night. Now, granted, it was a night for Pronger, but it's a Monday night. Okay, they're playing a rival, but it's the end of a five-game homestand. So fans have already shelled out a lot to, to, to go to games. And not only is the place packed, but they were all there at 6 o'clock. You know, the Blues did a great job of getting the word out, and they were there. They wanted to see it. And uh, yeah, it was quite a, uh, quite a spectacle, but yeah, I, my personal memories of Pronger are almost non-existent. I was knee deep in the, the, the shark, but uh, tremendous greatest show. And then the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the floor falling out uh, after that. But yeah, I, I do from afar, I, I do have an appreciation under Stillman of how, how the blues just operate in, in many ways. Yeah, the, the theory that the team would be easier to sell if they didn't have any 
high-priced assets like Pronger may have been a, a misguided theory for the team to be operating under uh, at that time. But yeah, yeah, there was a very impressive crowd there at six o'clock, which ended up being an hour and a half before game time. I mean, there was probably, I don't know, 12, 14,000 there. It was, it was a very good crowd there considering the circumstance. And the whole circumstance of Chris coming here as a gangly, uh, you know, 20 year old uh, raw mistake prone coming to the oilier despot, Mike Keenan, who uh, felt compelled to trade Brendan Shanahan, who in all fairness, Iron Mike uh, did have a complicated personal life, but there was a lot of complication off the ice with that particular group of blues. And there's a lot of complications with the coach himself. And uh, we could do, um, well, I did a book on Keenan. He could do a whole <laughs> book just on that season of all the weirdness, uh, but he arrived under the most unusual circumstances possible. And, it's hard to describe, JT, just how popular Brendan Shanahan was as a swashbuckling young power forward who departed un unhappily at the time to uh, what, as Kelly Chase lovingly referred to as Shawshank, uh, to exiting to Hartford. So um, that part of the history, I mean, you're, you're getting the good days, JT. You, you got a Stillman run franchise. It's like clockwork. Everything's great. Back then, oh, my, there were some things. Oh, and uh, – uh... Yeah, you don't have to remind me. I I, uh, I think back to five years of the uh, the Rams averaging three and thirteen for five years in hockey terms. That would be like five years in a row of fifteen and sixty five, which is pretty much unthinkable. Well, may, maybe your your Detroit Red Wings for a while, but uh, uh, yeah, it's pretty much unthinkable to to realize that this this uh, this group uh, uh, gets it right and, and, you know, maybe not a thousand percent on all the moves or, or what they do, but it's, uh, it, it, it is, uh, it, they, they are the good days and it's a, it's a, uh, been a lot of fun and a very pleasant surprise for someone who, like myself, who's, who's late in their, uh, in their career. I like that Pronger, he knows the crowd. He pulled out that, uh, that long neck uh, Bud Light. And uh, for just a minute, I thought we were on the stage under the gateway arch, you know, when, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, uh, somewhat inebriated Ryan O'Reilly, uh, saluted St. Louisans as being a town of friendly people, great hockey fans, and incredible drinkers. So very, very much a St. Louis uh, touch there by Mr. Pronger. And it seems safe that uh, Eric Brewer will not be getting his number retired uh, by the Blues uh, anytime soon. Nor, nor Jeff Way Whitka. Uh, what, a, what, what a trade. <laughs> All right. On to the current team and uh, JT, goaltender controversy? Yes. <laughs> and it's kind of been lurking in the, in kind of in the, in the weeds for a while, but you've, you've, you've got to, uh, you, you've got to play who's more. It's uh, I I'm chuckling here because it's a, uh, it's, I I'm rather amused that uh, Baruby is, uh, he's a little agitated just by any, any, any questions uh, uh, about this, but you know, let's go back to the reset there. There was a time, all the wise head, all the scouts in the organization, uh, thought that uh, Huso was a better prospect and was a better goalie than Bennington. And uh, maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. I mean, maybe it's not even a tie unless Huso would somehow win a Stanley Cup. But uh, they thought a lot about Huso and he got derailed by injuries and Bennington made the most of it. But with Huso, I, I think we're, and it's still a little premature, but because his, his sample size is so small, but we've kind of waited and waited for him to, to kind of string together uh, you know, several starts where he was good and, and, and he's done that and he certainly needs to play more. Will Bennington snap out of it? Sure. He, he always does. He's had a, 
he's had kind of a mid-season slump every year. But uh, Huso just looks more focused and more sure of himself right now. Bennington seems surprised by some shots. Huso, I'm not obviously he doesn't stop everything, but he doesn't seem surprised by shots. So you gotta you gotta you gotta play the uh, uh, the hot hand here a little bit more. And uh, yeah, you, you've got to be maybe conscious of Bennington's mindset and feelings about this. But you know, this is a big boy league, and and Huso's out playing Bennington now, so he he should play a little more. Yeah, there was a point last season where Huso had had a good game and, and Bennington had him. They stuck with Huso and gave him back-to-back starts really for the first time. And, and then Huso got lit up. And, uh, and that was kind of the end of that. And I was thinking last night, you know, when they go down 2 nothing, it's like, are we seeing that again? Is, is Huso getting the chance and they're investing in him and then he's going to fall on his face? But no, he gave up those two early goals and then they turned it around and he was uh, stellar in the net. And... You know, now we're seeing they've now they've alternated in goal for the past six games. And that's the most we've seen. You know, it's the most they've done that other than a stretch last year where there were a bunch of back to backs. So, you know, is it now going to be a either or are they going to run the hot hand and stick with Huso until, you know, they have back to backs coming up on this trip? But, um, yeah, how are they going to handle it going forward? And I guess the first thing will be what what we see in Seattle. Yeah, the back-to-backs do built in. The uh, So Barumi has built in now a couple of opportunities to keep this rotation going, and then he's going to have to make a decision. Perhaps after the uh, after the break, there's another uh, back-to-back. But then it's it's going to be tricky, too, because there's going to be a stretch without much hockey. So they'll have to decide. They're, again, they're going to want to play both guys to make sure no one individual gets completely rusty. So I think this probably plays out for a while longer. But, uh, JT, two things come to mind watching him play. One – I thought Bennington's reaction, uh, the visible frustration after that horrible Jake Allen-esque uh, bad angle goal, um, where he just it really appeared to get to him, uh, letting that goal in. You know, he's an emotional guy, and he was emotional about that. And then the other flip side of that is just how economical and calm uh, Huso is projecting in goal. He just doesn't move around a whole lot. He's not flopping around. He's just very uh, – um, very stable in goal and, and generally well positioned. So you're really seeing just a body language of the two right now seem to be in different places. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, uh, and, and, and with Bennington, uh, he is emotional, but he, it seems like he's reacting more when bad things happen instead of just, uh, uh, uh moving ahead. And we all know how competitive Bennington is and, and, uh, he, he hates to lose. And, uh, uh, but, yeah, it's it's kind of it does seem like it's maybe kind of in his head a little bit, but but again, he's been through this before, and uh, you know I, I I don't see why we we uh, uh, have any reason to think that that he won't work his way out of this. Yeah, we've seen a few Bennington. You know, historically has like made the saves at key times and during this run. There have been a few times like that goal against Toronto where he needed to make the save and he didn't make it. So uh, that's that's something. I, I don't think when the season is done, it's going to be close to, you know, being even on games. I think Bennington's still going to have a uh, an edge, but um, Huso's making a case for a lot more games. Real positive uh, from the last game. Uh, we'll get hit a few other negatives in a bit, but uh, <laughs> one topic we've had here on the net front um, recently is what, how good would the blues be if they got guys back? And Oh, by the way, Braden Shen played like Braden Shen and because he, he didn't play like Braden Shen last year and he's been beat up this year. 
at least the Braden Shen that we saw when this team went on its big run, the player that the, uh, the Blues acquired from the Flyers. Well, JT, um, here's before and after, I guess, his, uh, his uh, shutdown, we're seeing signs of maybe uh, the guy that the skater and shooter and hitter uh, is back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, we, we've talked about, I've talked about before here at the net front, the, the, and, and I was just here in the office talking to uh, our, our assistant sports editor, Cam Holloway, about this. The Blues have three kind of distinct groups of players. They have the Russians. We all know how well they perform. They have the youngsters, the kids. We all know how they they've how well they've performed this year. The the one group that's been lagging is the group I call the old reliables. You know O'Reilly, Shen, Perron. Well, last night uh, O'Reilly gets a goal and uh, two assists. He's got four goals in his last four games. Shen did look, look like the old Shen. He had a lot of bounce to his step. Uh, you know you, you realize for a bigger guy he's 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 pretty fast. Uh, his shot had the head the velocity. If they get the old reliables going. Uh, oh, my gosh. I mean, the, the team already is fourth in the league in scoring. The St. Louis Blues, with all the injuries, with all the COVID, with all the Springfield guys, as we sit here today at the net front, they're fourth in the league in in, in goals per game. So if they ever got all three of those groups working together, I mean, we wouldn't be worrying about Marco Scandella or what's happening on, on, on with the goaltending because they'd be they'd, they'd be outscoring teams. But I think part of it, you got to realize, like a batting order. I mean, there, there's going to be people in slumps at, at certain times. But, uh, you know, Shen had uh, he had five cracked ribs, and I think he's finally over that. Uh, uh, Barubi said he was healthy, and uh, you could tell he was he was leaning into that shot. Uh, uh, that first goal, he had some torque on that that release, and I think it's probably probably a little hard to lean into a shot like he did last night if your ribs were bothering you. It looks looks like he's over that. Yeah, I was just looking, five of the last eight games, the Blues have scored four goals or more. And then when you do that, usually you're going to win. And I think they've all but the Toronto game of those they won. So that's, that's you know, a good sign going forward. Shen, you know, when his first game back from the injury the last time, he had a goal and an assist. So he, he does well when he's been out of the lineup, apparently. Though he said yesterday, no more. I don't want to be out of the lineup. Let's, let's, let's play. Um, but yeah, you know, they get him going. You get O'Reilly, you get Perron. That's, that's kind of where... Uh, that'll be one of the keys to this team's success. Yeah, and right now, uh, of everybody we're talking about, uh, Prawn still remains adrift, and really that line didn't accomplish a whole lot. There were a few flashes in, in there, uh, but his relegation to a third line, uh, he's a bit adrift. I, uh, I wonder if it's not time, uh, Buchnevich returns, uh, reunite the Russians, um, reunite O'Reilly and Perron, and then you have a chance to go back to the th three lines that could all really, I mean, hard to imagine you not having three lines that, well, two of the three should be on, should work very well any given game. All three have the potential, but uh, those are, that's JT, that's the kind of option that, and it's a, these are good options that uh, the chief has. Yeah. And it'd be nice. We're still, uh, as we sit here, two days till a game. So, I'm still kind of in, I'll believe it when I see they have a full lineup. Now they've had their full forwards uh, available for one game, but they've yet to have their full roster available for a game this year, at least the guys that were on the, the 23 man roster. So maybe they're about to, to, to hit a, uh, a stage of, uh, of that. And, and, and again, it, boy, if they just had some good fortune with the COVID and the injuries, they can, could play their full roster for a while. I mean, who knows, uh, 
what the possibilities would be. I, I, I got to say, though, it seems like, you know, before it was whoever was with O'Reilly kind of prospered. If you wanted to score goals, you wanted to be on the line with O'Reilly. It looks like that's kind of shifted to wherever Thomas is or Thomas and Cairo. And, uh, and that's not saying that, that, that O'Reilly uh, can't gain his old magic in his line. It looks like it might be, but it seems like the magnet line for players is, is uh, yeah, I want to, I want to join uh, Cairo and Thomas. It's, it's going to be complex going forward when Bushnevich could be back for the Seattle game. Um, so, and, and though, as Jim said, I mean, you, you look at this and you just wonder, well, who's next? Someone's going to get, since this team hasn't stayed healthy, uh, that, that like, you know, bad news is lurking around some corner somewhere because we haven't, they haven't seen a whole lot of, uh, you know, good news throughout the season, other than people coming back in the lineup. So we sh- we shall see, but uh, yeah, if, you know, now is a point where O'Reilly's picking up. So maybe Perron back with him, you know, makes sense and can be something that uh, generates something. No, I think the, uh, the exciting thing, if you're a blues fan, I mean, Thomas is dynamic. Cairo is really dynamic, but what's impressed about Thomas. And I, I go back to, you know, last season when I, when I crapped all over him because he just didn't seem to be accomplishing much. Um, now he's accomplishing a lot. I mean, he's taking on some, he's doing some impressive things out there. He's playing all situations uh, he's playing uh, really good hockey all over the ice. Besides generating chances, he's using those same instincts to uh, uh, at the other side as well. And, and, and dare I say, I'll go to the other extreme, JT, and then go back in the Wayback Machine. But this guy's starting to remind me of the, having the potential of a guy like a Doug Gilmore who, was, who could use his anticipation um, and his quickness and his, and, and his, in Robert's case, his edge work both ends of the ice. I mean, there, there is potential there. The, the kids competitiveness is, is really rising. Well, they, uh, it seems pretty clear now that they challenged him, uh, you know, at the end of season, uh, kind of the exit uh, meetings or interviews before the off season, Hey, you want a bigger role. You better, you know, work your rear end off in the, in the off season, uh, come back in better shape and, and, and take it. And I, I think it's clear as clear as mud that uh, uh, Maruby, you earn your playing time. And it's clear that Baruby now has ultimate trust in Thomas. I mean, he plays him everywhere, defensive zone face-offs. Uh, he put an A uh, on his sweater uh, when there are other veterans, other guys that have been with the Blues at least as long with Thomas or longer, maybe that he, that he could have chosen. And uh, uh, defensively, a lot of penalty killing this year. Offensively, he just needs to look to shoot more still and get to the net more. And notice a couple of these goals. He, he's getting to the net more. I mean, he doesn't have to be a 20 or 25 goal scorer, but if he's a 10 or 15 goal scorer, uh, it may, you know, maybe occasionally pop up to 20. Well, then you've really, really got something. But uh, 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 Thomas has certainly responded to the, the, the challenge that, that he got from the coaches and from Doug Armstrong uh, before last offseason. Everyone always loves the concept of a kid line and playing Thomas and Cairo together is kind of made to order. Uh, for that. And they seem to work uh, very well together. And um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of those things where they're both young guys who could be around for a long time. And that could be a pairing, uh, a pairing of the future, pairing of the present and the future for the Blues. Interestingly, the Blues could use the O'Reilly line as a true shutdown line um, without relying on it as, as much for offense. The number one line could be Thomas and Cairo. 
uh, if it's not the Russians, if the Russians play together or if, if 91 plays with the kids, well, of course, that's your top line that other teams have to worry about. So, yeah, it's interesting that the Blues have kind of transformed from a team that it's top shutdown and offensive line was the same line, creating some interesting you know situations for the Chiefs. So now it's like teams are having to look at the Blues differently and maybe two things. One, uh, the O'Reilly line can, you know, the energy spent trying to be the shutdown line. Um, that's great. They could focus on that. But also they're probably going to see less, um, you know, lesser matchups going forward because if I'm, if I'm playing the Blues, I, I got I to gotta put my best guys on Thomas and Cairo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, normally, 90% of the time, O'Reilly's the, uh, uh, the top ice time uh, player for Blues forwards. And I think it's, I, 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 have, I haven't really looked at last night, but it, it, before then, like for the, for the previous five games, Robert Thomas was the top uh, ice guy. So, yeah, maybe play that line a little more. I think uh, Baruby trusts Thomas and even Cairo more defensively. And as you say, Jeff, maybe relieve just a little bit of pressure off the O'Reilly line. Yeah, I've always maintained that when when the Blues are playing Oscar Sundquist on the fourth line, it's a, it's a sign that things are going well because it means they have the depth <laughs> on the other lines. And um, and we're seeing that again. I mean, last night, Sundquist, Bozak, and Costin there on the fourth line. When we can, they can afford to do that, um, you know, that. I mean, you know, Brandon Saad, you know, when he, you know, is, is up and down and is all over the place, but it seems like he fits in well wherever he goes. So there's, there's a lot of good components uh, that they had to deal with. You know, interesting thing watching the, the Predators play and uh, it, uh, JT, you must have had flashbacks thinking, hey, wait a minute, is this a football game on skates? Because my goodness, um, they decided that uh, their supporting cast was all going to be like uh, linebacker size or bigger. So it's a reminder that the team is going to have it for all the speed and skill we've talked about here so far in the net front today. Um, there is going to be an element needed as this team gets to the postseason uh, to be able to bang around because Nashville is going to be in the bracket somewhere. Right. And boy, they have some big kids and you know, you're looking out and say, boy, you know, here, here's a job. I go back to my boy Costin. Well, you're going to need guys like Clem uh, to mix in against a team like Nashville because they just, gosh, well, what a uh, you know what 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 a what a hard team to play against. Yeah, and you know that that's still even though this is becoming more a league of speed and skill, it seems like in the playoffs, the physical teams still seem to outlast. I mean, I'm sure there's exceptions, but they they seem to outlast the. Uh, 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 the, the, the skill and speed teams, you better be able to, uh, to play physical in the, uh, in the playoffs. And uh, I'm still looking uh, kind of when I look in the future, I would love to see a fourth line of uh, Costin, Joshua and Torpchenko. I don't know how much they'd score, but boy, would they, uh, would they uh, uh, pound people? And uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's a, a possibility at some point. I know the upper management, they really, they really like uh, what they see in, uh, in Torpchenko, but yeah, how about Bortuzzo? What the heck got into Bortuzzo last night? Now, the results weren't always ideal, but he's slamming into players. He's, he's causing fights. Uh, was he uh, 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 the, the, the presence of Pronger? And, and did that inspire him? Uh, uh, but he was he was a maniac in the, in the first period last night. And I think it was in the second period where he kind of just threw himself on a puck and, and uh, by the to the right of the Blues goal when Huso was out of position and there was a scoring chance and he just 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 kind of fell down on top of it. 
Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, and he's been getting forward in the offense too. We get never a dull moment with Robert Bortuzzo. I mean, every shift for Robert Bortuzzo is is really in some way a joy to watch. Yeah, and again, he's not going anywhere because you need that element. We I mean, again, we talk about the need for physical play, and uh, um, some of it got a you know he got a little excited on a couple of those plays. <laughs> and, but he's you know again, it's a great play sacrificing your body because that's a goal. If Bortuzzo doesn't throw his body in there, and I guess he's trying to swat at or cover the puck that was sitting there in the net, because there was a there was an empty net there, and he took that away. And and there's always going to be a place for Bortuzzo. But again, guys, as we talk about every week on the net front, ah, you know, you could use one more guy. You know, scandella has been better, and you're know, getting Pareko back is huge, and you know, Falk and Krug are doing fine work. But boy, you just keep coming back to it. If you just had one more guy. Um, and not, you know, not Perunovic necessarily just because of the, again, the game last night reminds you of why you need some, some heft back there. That, that is not go, That issue has not gone away, JT. No. And uh, as well as the blues are playing, they're piling up wins. All, all it could take is maybe just one bad play or one bad moment as you're in the playoffs and all of a sudden the goal's in and you're out. So yeah, on the one hand, you're, you, you, you look at the stats and you say, What's, every, what's everyone concerned about? The Blues are ranked ninth in the league in, in, in defense. Well, that, that's all well and good in the regular season, but I'm, I'm kind of looking at it more now. Not so much defense in the regular season, but do they have the defense to make a playoff run? That's kind of where it's progressed in my head. I think they have plenty of defense to, to be a successful regular season team, but do they have enough defense to make a playoff run? And I'm, I'm still I'm not sure on that. Yeah, and one of the questions is going to be how they can acquire that player. I mean, how do they open up the cap space? Because they're so close to the cap, they're not accruing a whole lot of saved space for at the at the deadline. So they're going to, they would have to part with some salary. And how would they do that uh, and kind of keep the bulk of the team together, but find room to add um, a, a Giordano or a, or a Chikrin or someone like that at the deadline to to make it work. Okay, last thing on the net front, and I don't want to jinx it because it's early in the week as we record this, but we ha- have we seen, JT, the end of, you know, there was some projection that at some point the, NFL, the NHL was going to quit dumping games and, and try to get start get some of these teams playing again. Um, have we seen the last of the, uh, of the mass uh, postponements? Are we going to get back to life and find out how it's going to, play out the rest of the season, if, how they're going to get this thing done more or less on time. God, I hope so. I've got, got my test set up before I take off my, uh, my COVID test to, to get into uh, to uh, Canada. The league would like it to be over. I think this was the plan by this time of January that they went, okay, we're going to go back and play everywhere. But uh, as we, as we know, fellas, COVID has a mind of its own. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to release an updated schedule sometime this week, uh, which would be something. And yeah, I think today Buffalo plays at Ottawa, which would be the first American team to venture north of the border since this all began. Um, so things are things are starting to happen. And then, yeah, we'll get a look to see what that blue schedule, where they fit those three games in and, uh, that were postponed. Do they need to juggle other things in other places? Uh, to make that work, I mean, because some of those Canadian teams got a whole lot of games they got to make up. So um, how are they going to uh, arrange that? So 
Um, that, that'll be a, a strange but interesting uh, kind of midseason correction here with uh, you know, how, how new of a schedule do we see. And will we get Jim Thomas back from Canada? That'll be the other question. Hopefully <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may be joining you at the net front uh, from uh, uh, in two weeks from now in uh, Calgary. You never know. Wow. And well, that's just about the time I'd be going to Montreal. So we could, we could both be stuck up there. There you go. Like I said, then it's Jeff, come on down. Come on. Over. Hey, come on. Over. How did you, uh, retirement. how did the, uh, when you look back on it, was you being quarantined uh, and pinned in a hotel room north of the border, the highlight of Jim Thomas's sports writing career. It was, uh, it was different. And, uh, I, 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 you know, and it was entertaining enough, except like the final week. It, uh, well, I'd, I'd look out, I'd see, the, I could see the sign of the Sherlock Holmes uh, Barn Grill. And it was, it got increasingly tempted, tempting, I should say. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, another thing for the, uh, for the uh, memory book, I guess. But unlike Evander Kane, Jim Thomas showed discipline to get through, get himself into the bubble and get himself out of the bubble in one piece. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're able to march on with hockey. Just a reminder, uh, as we wrap up this edition of the net front, that all of our podcasts are available on sdltoday.com slash podcast. We've got lots of cool stuff coming uh, down the pike as uh, our heroes uh, advance towards postseason play, hopefully uh, without any more dramatic interruptions, but this is turning out to be a highly entertaining season. And we appreciate the time that Jim Thomas and Tom Timmers, Tom Timmer give us each week uh, for JT, for Tom. I'm Jeff. Until next time. See ya. Bye.